you have a sales ceiling you keep bumping up against and can't seem to break through? You know the saying, sometimes you have to spend money to make more money? That's what we explore in this episode. Find out how hiring before she was ready helped Lindsay go from stalled to leaping forward. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Hi, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you here today. First, I want to start off by congratulating you. I know that you had a record sales month in January. And so congratulations on that. I first met you at a live event uh, event that you were hosting. I had attended because my husband, who's a chef, at that time was thinking of launching a product. And I was intrigued at your experience and passion for the Vancouver food scene. And I've been a follower of your Instagram ever since. So recently, you posted something that is super powerful, and I'm excited to plug into the conversation about sales. Um, You had said that to break through sales goals, you need to hire. And I want to dig into that. But before we do that, tell us about your agency, what you do, and who's on your team. Yes. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. So I own an agency in Vancouver called Peacant Marketing. Um, We are a digital marketing agency. We do everything from photography, branding and design, social media marketing. We do consulting. We have online courses, but our specialty is food, particularly health foods. So I used to do marketing at Whole Foods Market, and I would say the majority of my team came from Whole Foods Market. So the best way I can describe it is that if you have a product that is on the shelves at Whole Foods Market, if you would compete with them or if you would partner with them, those are the kind of brands that we specialize in. We're not limited to, but that's really our niche. So yeah, that's who we are. <laughs> nice. And you, you've been you've been in business for I, I think it's five five years. Has it has it been five years for you? Yeah, I realized I didn't totally answer your last question. So we will be five years in September, and I have a core team of about eight people. Everyone is remote, and I've got a few people pushing full time hours. And I, but I manage regularly about twelve people. So that includes like a couple of photographers, um, some virtual assistants. But there's eight people that are kind of core people that are designers, marketing managers, operations, that kind of thing. Lovely. So you've built your team up to twelve people over five years. I want to talk a bit about that. I think something new business owners struggle with is this question of when to hire, and they wait too long to do it. You've spoken about this before, and in particular, how mindset gets in the way. Can you take us back to the year in your business before you made your first hire? Yes. And I, the thing when I talk about this is because I totally understand why people approach it the way they do. Um, and it doesn't make sense. So basically, I started the business with a partner 
I five years this fall, and it was just the two of us. And unless you get funding or you get lucky, like really, I don't know any business owner that makes the money they think they're going to make in the timeline they're going to make. Like when we started, we had these crazy cheap packages, and we were like, we just need ten clients, and we'll like be making more than we were making at our our regular job, no problem, right? And then it turns out to be just a lot harder and there's costs and um, things just don't go the way you think they are, they will. And not necessarily in a bad way. It's just you never really know the experience until you get started. And every entrepreneur I've ever spoken with has said like, I didn't make the money I thought I would in the way I would, which is totally fine. Um, you learn a lot and you will get there. So it was just the two of us. And I think at about a year, we were working like, full-time hours and we weren't really even paying ourselves a livable wage. And so the thinking that almost everybody gets into is when I have the extra money, I will hire. And that is how it should go. <laughs> so I hear so often from business owners that are like, I, you know, I, I can't hire a, a virtual assistant. I can't hire anyone because it all has to be done by me or I can't afford it. And both of those arguments are totally flawed. You need to hire when you don't have time because the thinking that I will get the next big client, once we have money for someone, I will hire. My experience is that you will never get there until you hire for a number of reasons. So for us, we wanted to get bigger clients. We wanted to get bigger accounts. But you know, when people saw us as just two people that were hustling really hard, you know, subconsciously or like energetically, whatever you want to call it, we are telling them that we're not in a space to take it on. And you're not focusing on like blue skies visions if you are not in a place where you have more time to take things on. So if you are working like 40 hours a week and you think you can't hire, you are wrong. Like my experience is that you need to hire and the business will come. Like you really just can't get to that next level until you clear your plate a little bit. Also, I tell businesses, you want to act like you're at the next stage. So whatever the next level is for you, whether it be a sales goal, whatever, you need to act and behave like you're already there. And so I know it's scary. Trust me, like we weren't even paying ourselves a livable wage. I had been like basically living off my credit line for like a year and a half. And we had somebody who kept reaching out and was like, when, when do you need help? When do you need help? And it was like, you know what? We need help. I, I need to get more on my plate so I can focus on sales, so I can focus on building. So I totally get it. Like I had a three-year-old kid. I was the primary breadwinner. My husband was basically a stay-at-home dad. So to think to myself, like, how am I supposed to take some of my piddly little paycheck at the time and hire somebody? But you have to. Like you just, you have to. And even if you start with a few small tasks, like start to get into the habit of having whatever it is that's on your plate now and know what you would immediately delegate. If you can't delegate anything that's on your plate right now, then you can't scale. Really, the only thing that only you can do is basically growing and guiding your business. Everything that's on your plate should eventually be able to be delegated. That's what I often go off on a rant on on my social media because I hear from people that are just at their limits. They want to grow, but they're waiting for the, the next step. They're waiting for the sales. They're waiting to a point to hire. And the reality is you have to hire to get to that point. Mm -hmm. I love what you just said, though. You said that if you can't delegate, you can't scale. And so I have found just working with clients that oftentimes uh, learning to delegate is in itself a mindset. There's a mindset shift that needs to take place to become a to go from being a doer to a delegator. Right, so what was it like for you after you made that first hire? How did you go from being the doer in your business to becoming that delegator? Yeah, I mean, 
we start really small. Like I tell people just hire a virtual assistant and maybe like farm out engaging on your social media, like always be on your social, but maybe you pay somebody to do 15 minutes a day to find new accounts to engage with. Like just get into the habit of having help there. You can hire a virtual assistant for almost anything. Like you can have them do paperwork. You can have them find magazines to reach out for, you know, PR pitches, whatever it is, just like get into the habit of having someone there. Was your first hire a uh, virtual assistant? Is that the like the first person you brought into your business? It was not. Although I generally recommend it for people that are really tentative, just because a lot of times it's a mid work for us. The first person we hired was a, she was a photographer and a marketer. So she wanted a ton of experience. So I was hesitant for a few reasons. One was, I was like, I don't have time to manage somebody. I don't think I can make this a good experience for them. Like I think when you're a startup, oftentimes like if you can't pay somebody or give them consistently consistency or dependency on a paycheck, you have to like be able to tutor them or mentor them. There's a better word to be able to give them an experience. Like that's sort of the trade off, right? It's like, Oh, you come into a startup and you have no, you can't rely on anything, but don't worry, you're going to learn a ton. And so I was concerned about paying her. I was also concerned about giving her a good experience, but you know what? Ultimately that's not up to you. Like if they want to work for you, they have their own goals and they will like, they have their own, purpose for wanting to join you. So she was a photographer and a marketer. And honestly, it was so amazing because I I see this with so many business owners, like you need to delegate as soon as it's not fun because the creative juices aren't going to be there. You're not going to take your personal time to like get better. So the first thing we handed off was like, we were doing all the photography. We were doing all the caption writing and we wanted to have 10 clients. Like I can't be writing Instagram and Facebook posts every day for 10 clients. I, I will just like go insane. Um, and so by the time she came on, I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> and also it just, you know, it sort of set a new tone for us and for our clients. Like, okay, we're growing, we have people, we have assets. And it was amazing. Like almost immediately I felt so much better. And my experience is oftentimes when I hire people that like the money comes in and, but I still have problems. Like I still have stuff that I need to get off of my plate and I'm hesitant to hand off because, you know, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, then that means less money for me. But oftentimes as soon as I hire, you're going to bring in new clients. You're going to, you know, you're going to open space for new things to come in. Right. Because when you hire, what happens is you create more white space for yourself or space for you just to do the higher level work. In your case, you mentioned that uh, you hired a photographer to come in and do some of the things that you felt that you no longer just had the bandwidth for. You said that you said something here uh, where I want to tap into. You said that when it's no longer fun for you anymore, can you dig into that a little bit and tell us a bit more about that? Like, how did it become not fun for you? Like, what what happened along the way where it became this onerous work for you, and that you knew you needed to hire someone to do it in order to grow? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a photographer. I was even just using my phone at the time. And I tell this to all business owners, like it's time to pass it off when it's not fun. Because the thing about running your own business is, especially in the beginning, like, okay, you're going to be tired, you're gonna be stressed, and you probably will be overworked as much as you invest in self care. Like you have to love it. Like if you're getting paid nothing, and you're taking a huge risk, you have to love it. And once something becomes not fun, like it's just it's not worth it anymore. Um, you're like, what are you sacrificing for if you're not even enjoying it? And the thing is, you know, when we started, I was doing the photography and I was doing recipe development. And what changed was I just got so busy, you know, like, so it's not fun to go in the kitchen and mess around to create a new recipe when I'm like, oh, well, now I have eight hours of work after this. So if I mess up in the kitchen, I have to start again. The photos are rushed. I mean, it's different if you're a photographer and that's what you want to do, but you're going to get to a point where you get so busy that the things that you always enjoyed 
might like aren't as fun because you're rushed because you're bigger because you want to go focus on bigger things in your business and that's not to say that like the tasks aren't fun and that you won't always be passionate about it like I'm still so passionate about marketing it's just when your time is crunched and you're like okay in the beginning I can either write some Instagram posts or take some photos and then like a year later I'm like I can either go write a pitch to get like triple our income or I have to take photos of like pancakes like it's just it's stress and it's not fun anymore Right. So as an entrepreneur, we all know this, what we, what we want to do is put our attention on tasks that we know will help us grow our business. And so in order to do that, bringing someone to help fulfill some of the work creates that opportunity. And it, it sounds like in the last couple of years, you've been doing that and practicing that because you now have a team of 12 people. that you know going from one person and and having perhaps what I think would be even a mindset block in the beginning I think that's what it really comes down to in the beginning making your first hire it really is this mindset block that happens and you come up with all these reasons of why you shouldn't hire and then what happens is you hire and you realize oh my goodness why did I not do that earlier yeah and once that happens, you know, the, the flood, floodgates open, and you're like, when am I going to get the next hire and so I can create even more space for myself? At some point in time, the team gets really big. And then, you know, you've, you've got other challenges once the team gets big, bigger. So tell us a bit about um, your team of 12 now and how you how you manage them. Yeah. So there's definitely, as you said, like there's different stages of hiring. And like, I love managing people because I, I love people. I, I believe in them. And I like, if you're on my team, like I love you and it's, it's probably annoying. Like I genuinely, genuinely want you to succeed in life. But you know, when you like, there's definitely different stages of hiring. So when you start, I mean, again, if you've got a ton of funding, this is gonna be different. But when you start like you, you're trading your time for money for everything. And so when you start with your hiring, oftentimes, you're hiring a lot of junior people, which is amazing. But there's a lot of mentorship that comes and there's a lot of training and there's a lot of managing and the older you get in your business and like the more money you make you can hire more experienced people and I can tell you it becomes such a luxury to start to hire people who are coming to you with ideas that are coming to you to find mistakes that are coming to you because they've taken care of things and it is such a luxury so there definitely is a process and now I'm at the stage now where I like I I literally my next level is to like find another me (laughs) you know like I've got a team of like very talented people who all love what they do and everyone has their different goals, but you'll get to a point too, where you're like this person, like you might hire somebody who's fantastic and you basically want them to be the next you. And it's very frustrating when they don't want to manage people. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm a photographer. I got hired as a photographer. Like photography is where I want to be, but you get to a point where you're like, but I need you to take on more. And so I guess like where I'm at now is you start off and you hire some junior people and you're in it together and it's very hands-on. And as we've gotten bigger, I've had to just be a lot less hands-off. I've had to invest in more experienced people. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I need to manage somebody who's going to manage everybody (laughs) because you just like, you can't really invest and manage people one-on-one and mentor them the way you need to when a team gets so big. Yeah, I think there's such a reality to that uh, when you're at the beginning stages of the business and just the amount of cash flow that you have really means that the person you're bringing in is a junior person. Mm-hmm. And that junior person oftentimes does require in the beginning more of your more of your bandwidth right? because you do have to manage them and provide them the systems and processes and how to do things because at the end of the day, it's still your business. At what point did you start bringing in senior people? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how I've got people that are just as senior as me, but like a lot of them are from Whole Foods who I have like deep relationships with and they're 
I don't want to say they're doing it as a favor, but I see them almost as partners. And so when my partner left, so I'm now run the business by myself about a year and a half in, I brought someone in who was very senior to sort of like lead the design area. And I sort of had no choice because my partner, her specialty was branding and design. And now like, I don't know that much about design. You know, I, I could barely sell it. Like it's really someone has to lead. And so I had to bring in someone more senior. And honestly, with each hire, I just like look for people a little bit more senior. You get a little bit more money. You have a little bit more experience with the role. I mean, I would love to, you know, have my next hire be like someone who's super experienced, you know, more experienced than me and, and manage the team. But basically, it is kind of a slow process. It's like as you get turnover, as you bring in new people, as you have more money, there's no like path to just bringing in more senior people. People, I think it's a very like individual situation. For me, I had to when my partner left, like, you know, design and brand with branding was a big part of our business. And I don't know anything about it. I, I, I couldn't hire someone junior because I can't manage them. I don't like I don't know how to, to quality control design, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I think your your business is made up of different service offerings, right? And so what I hear you say is that there are certain areas where you need to bring in the expert to have that kind of final eyes on the deliverable itself. Yeah. When it comes to like, when it comes to building out your senior team right now, who is on your senior team? So I have, I guess, like three or four core people. Emily and Jeff are my lead designers. Emily came on first and both of them were my designers at Whole Foods Market. I call Whole Foods Market like my marketing bootcamp. The thing about running your own business too is it, it can be difficult to find people that are going to be honest with you that are going to like really be clear on like the pulse of how the company is going, whether they're unhappy, whether they're stressed, like you become a boss and an owner and all of a sudden like people feel like they can't share things with you, you know, because they feel like they can't or they, you know, they're worried that they're going to lose their job or because how things go in corporate world, that just isn't it. Right. And so um, a lot of my senior people, almost all my senior people are from Whole Foods because I can trust that they're going to be here for the long haul and that they're going to be so honest with me. Um, so I have two designers, um, both from Whole Foods that are quite senior. Um, Lynn is our operations manager and I basically brought her on to quote unquote, be the mama bear. This is like when I was like, I've just got a bunch of odds and ends. I don't have time to check in on people and see how they're doing. I like, I I need you to come in and basically be a virtual assistant, but also a manager. Like I need you to just check in on people, make sure things are doing right, see how they're doing, how they're feeling. And basically like do a lot of odds and ends, but sort of like a general manager. So she's sort of like HR and operations. And then I have two senior marketer, senior marketing managers, uh, Shauna, who's from Whole Foods, and her specialty is brand partnerships and community outreach. And then Fiona, who does photography and marketing creation. But I would say that like Emily, Lynn, and Shauna are the ones that I sort of like check in, particularly Lynn and Emily, where they are the ones that I'll actually check in and be like, okay, I have this idea as to where the business should go. How, how do you think people are feeling? Um, how do you think the workload is? So I mean, I guess a kind of convoluted answer. I think it's going to be different for everybody if you've got like a board of directors or advisors or mentors, but there's a few core people on my team that sort of do that for me because I think it's really important to, you can't have people be unhappy and have everybody quit at once. Like I always say, when I want someone to leave, I want it to be because they're going to another amazing opportunity. Like if there's something I can fix, amazing, but I'm very aware of like the limitations of a startup in terms of being able to pay people and hours. And so if they leave, I want it to be because they're going on to something amazing. So that means like just knowing how my team's doing. What I really love hearing you say is is this, uh, it's that, you know, you're starting to build for yourself a team of people who you feel you can uh, trust their thoughts. So I think that's, 
that's what we really want as entrepreneurs. We want to have a team of people who are coming to us with their great ideas and we trust that they've done their due diligence, i.e. critical thinking before they've come to you with that idea. And it sounds like you're at this place where you have those critical thinkers in place and it's a nice place to be. But like you mentioned, um, you're in this space now where you feel that you want to clone yourself. <laughs> you yeah. you you want to clone yourself and and by cloning yourself, you're going to be able to take that business into the next phase or the next level. And I, I think this really circles back to a question that I had for you uh, when I was on your Instagram and I saw the Instagram, I think it was a, it wasn't a reel, I think it was an Instagram video post that you had put up. And I thought to myself, man, like there is this big connection between hitting your sales goal and this relationship to hiring. Can you tell us a bit more about that using maybe some examples like you had in your business where you've hit sales goals and its relationship to hiring? Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I don't like is when I see on social media and people like simplify, because I think when it comes to hitting sales goal, like there's a lot behind it, right? There's like, you know, years of work and building a relationship, building relationships with your community and things like that. But I do think you get to a point where you hit a wall and then some small tweaks to what you've already built can help you reach those goals. So I realized, so basically when we first started, we had a sales goal, a monthly sales goal, and it took us two years to hit it. And I thought we were going to hit it in like four months, (laughs) but that's just, that was, I think just starting a business and not being realistic about like, how easy it is to get new clients, the cost of onboarding, and just like, you know, if you've never run a business before, you sort of don't know the ups and downs. So it took us two years to hit our first sales goal. And then I had another sales goal. And like, again, we just like couldn't get close to it. And I I couldn't figure it out. Um, And I was really frustrated because I never said no to business. I felt like we were building a really great reputation. It felt like we were bringing on new clients. But for some reason, we just like, I just couldn't get close to it. And it was really frustrating. I was like, we should have blasted past this goal a long time ago. And I realized that I had like, I mean, I did a few things differently. But one of the big ones was like acknowledging my mental blocks. And I realized that once we got close to that next sales goal, I would start to stress out about quality control. Because the thing is with a business like mine, I mean, if it's a product, maybe it's a little different. But when I sell clients, I'm selling them on my abilities, right? Even if I'm delegating to my team, if I'm in a sales meeting, if I'm going over our sales deck or showing our work, like I'm really selling them on my experience, even if somebody who is less experienced is executing it, right? Like it's my face, I'm responsible for it. And so I realized that when we got close to this sales goal, I would stress out, I would start to worry about quality control. And I would worry that we were taking on too much and that we couldn't put out the type of work that I would be proud of. Um, and so how that relates to hiring is I, I realized like I really needed to trust my team. And if I didn't trust my team, I needed to hire other people or more people. Like for me, it really was about hiring and my team because I wasn't not selling, but I think it was just like energetically something I was putting out there or the way I was acting or what I was attracting. But when we got close to the sales goal, we never hit it and we always retreated. And I think it was because once we pushed it, I started to stress and I stressed about my team. Um, so it might be a little bit more of like a new age answer for you, but I realized, yeah, like, and if I'm having this, these concerns, then I either need to change myself and trust or like I need to hire more or different people. And for me, it was much more about like, okay, I need to trust my team, but maybe we need new systems so I can ensure that the quality is there no matter how big we get. 
Before we get back to the episode, I want to invite you to the free Strategic Connections Roundtable, where creatives, consultants, and service-based business owners can meet new business connections without the awkwardness of traditional networking. It's a curated experience where the group fit is curated so that connections and conversations thrive. That means that every month, a Strategic Connections Roundtable will bring together a group of service-based business owners in similar stages of business who can benefit from knowing each other so that you can make connections easier, share what your business offers, discover new resources, and have an opportunity to mastermind a challenge. Save your free seat at audreyjoyquan.com forward slash strategic dash connections dash roundtable. Above all, I care about genuine connections and authentic relationships in business. If that's you, check out the roundtable and curated networking experience today. You can get all the details and onto the free invite list over at audreyjoyquan.com forward slash strategic dash connections dash roundtable or click on the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. Quality control is something we want in our businesses because we want to do our best for our clients. And I I think you brought you brought up something that I think a lot of small business owners think about and that is when they bump up against a lot of work that is a lot of potential work that might come through the door, there might be this mindset or kind of like subconscious way of reacting to the fear that they can't really take on that work and provide that quality, right? And I think what you're saying is that that energy shows up in the world, right? The, the sense of the sense of not being able to perform at its best because the resources are a little too thin in the business. And what it sounds like is that by hiring, you overcome that block, right? You feel that support immediately in your business and therefore show up with more confidence. Yeah. I mean, I think it is two separate things, it's one thing to hire, but it's another thing to actually really trust them, you know, um, because some of the stuff your team is going to do is never going to affect a client. It's never going to be outward facing, but some of what they do is going to be going directly to the client or it's going to be public. So you can hire, but you also need to be able to trust or ensure that they're going to uphold your the quality of what you're putting out. Yeah, absolutely. It's this idea of knowing you have a support system where you know things aren't going to fall through the cracks. Totally. And I mean, here's something I never understood before having my own business. And I don't totally know if my team understands it. Like they can understand in the sense that I can tell you, tell them, but until you've experienced it, like when I worked for companies and I did marketing and branding, I always cared about my work. But you know, a lot of times I'd be like, you know, I've got 10 things to do today. This is good enough. This is good. When you own your own agency, you will be put in positions where you will be sitting at a table with a client and they'll say, why did you do this? This looks like crap. How can you explain this? I'm paying for it. And there's just a lot more on the line when you know that you could be put in that position where you have to explain yourself or explain your your team's work. And not to say my team doesn't do good work, but I know that I know from experience that that is a very real possibility. And so I, if I'm ever in that position, I want to be able to speak from a place of like strategy. We took this decision because this, I can never be in front of a client and be like, this is in our contract and I build you this amount. And, uh, we just put this out here because, or we made this mistake without thinking, you know? So I think for team members, you know, being responsible for your work on your own at a company is just a lot different when it's your own company. And so I know my team might think I might be a bit of a hard ass, especially with social media. You're like, it's an Instagram post. Who cares about a hashtag? Like, well, let me tell you, I would rather be a hard ass now than have to sit there and kind of embarrassingly 
explain my mistake. Mistakes happen, but you know, in terms of quality control, you're going to be in a position where you have to like sit and explain and even defend your work sometimes. And that's just the stakes are higher. When you own an agency or when you own a business and you're the face of that business, when it comes to client presentations, it almost feels like your your face and your name is on the line too. And therefore, you know, you're you're thinking, you're thinking much more, I, I don't want to say much more deeply, but your what you're looking at and what someone you hire might be looking at are totally different, right? The levels are different, right? And you want someone who's going to be able to come in and own the work like you own the work. Yeah. And I, I totally get it. I, I've said that since starting my own business, I can relate to like insane bosses I've had in the, in the past because I, I totally understand now the like how you feel and I'm, I'm not justifying it but you know like there's so much on the line and you're like this is my livelihood and this is my dream and I've literally sacrificed like years of salaries hours like everything into this and when you put out work that is like less than up to standard that affects my future work that affects my ability to bring in new clients and that affects my relationships with my clients like it's so valuable and Precious. And so I've never done this on my team, but now I'm like, oh, I, I can understand where my insane bosses came, like were coming from in the past when they'd come in and yell and be like, you don't care and I'm going to lose this money. I remember just working at businesses and just being like, dude, like chill out. And I would never do that, but I'm like, oh, I, I understand the pressure and the emotion now when it's so personal. Um, so again, not ex- like defending insane or awful bosses, but I'm, I'm like, oh, I, I can see how easy it is to slip into that when it is your own business. Oh my gosh, Lindsay, thank you for being so transparent on that. I, I agree <laughs> with you. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think when you own a business, not, not to say that it's ever okay to be yelling at people and you and I both know that it's not. I think what we're really saying is that the sense of ownership on the work changes or how you perceive that work changes changes and who we bring on into our teams, how we hire them and why we're hiring them. It also changes because we want people who are going to be, and the word is responsible. And I I think that's such a big word, but what we're really saying is that people who are going to take on that work at a level where they, they look at it as, Hey, if I put this work out in the world, it's my Mm -hmm. name on this work too. It's not just, I give this work over to Lindsay and Lindsay's going to present it. And then if heck comes back, Lindsay's going to take the heck. Right. So it's, you know, that's who we ideally want on our teams. And I think that's what we all strive for is how do we find those types of people? And I love what you said, because I think that one thing you said in this call is that the relationships that you've built in the past, so the work that you've done at Whole Foods, you've definitely been, you've been working with or have worked with people who you trust and know that um, they produce work that is of that standard. And so Mm -hmm. because you've had these long-term relationships, you felt it was easier. And I don't even know if easier is the word, but there was definitely this um, less sense of risk, maybe I would say, to bring them on because you you had worked with them before and therefore they were vouched for. Totally. And like, here's another thing that, you know, when you work at a company and you manage people, like, you know, you can be friends with people you work with at a company and you both might like roll your eyes at your director or the VP or the president together, you know, but I think too, it's, it's really difficult. And they say that entrepreneurship is lonely and that doesn't have to be the case, but like, I genuinely like love and care about everyone that works for me. It's it's such a personal relationship and we're still such a small company. And that is like part of what I offer is like, I will support you no matter what I will support your own side hustle. I will support you if you need a new job, like whatever. Um, And so what's happened is I've had people that I've worked very closely with and we've become like close. Right. And then they leave and literally I never hear from them again. And then I'm like, Oh, like 
how I was with you was totally genuine. Like I did genuinely support you. I did genuinely care about your future. And then you've just ghosted. So clearly you were just sort of like laughing at my jokes because I'm the boss and like, whatever, like nobody's like crying over CEOs or business owners for that reason. But if I bring on people that I know and have a long relationship from Whole Foods, I don't have to worry about that. And I know that's like so superficial, but you need people that you can trust. And I also know that they're not going to ghost. And I also can trust that what they're telling me is authentic. And I guess what I'm saying is like, if somebody was just sort of like laughing at my jokes or texting me funny things at night, because they felt like they had to because I'm my boss, what else were they not being honest with me was like, were some of my ideas crap was something else a bad idea Were they stressed, you know, so yeah, it might be lazy for me to bring in Whole Foods people. Um, but I also know they're super experienced. But I also know that I if I'm having a vulnerable moment or need like real feedback on the direction of the company or client decisions, I also know that they're going to be honest with me. Um, so anyway, just like, I don't know if that makes me seem a little like needy or whatever, but that's part of it. No, I don't. I don't think that makes you sound needy at all. I I think it's actually human nature that we want to surround ourselves with people who are going to give us the honest opinion. It's it's human nature to me. And as a person who owns a business as well, I never want to bring someone on who's not going to tell me the truth because. Even though I lead my company and you lead yours, I think we both know that we're people. And because we're people, it doesn't mean we're always right, right? And so having and surrounding yourself with people who are willing to come to the table and be authentic and provide you real feedback, that only makes you a better leader. Totally. And I I understand because I, I think I've worked a lot of, and when I say corporate jobs, like, yeah, they're in the food industry or wherever, but, you know, jobs at really big companies traditionally feedback is not really rewarded, you know, like this is your job and this is how we do it. And, you know, your feedback is sort of above your pay grade, like these systems and processes and what we do have been decided by people very high up. And so I also get where people are like, it's not my job to get feedback. And that's not something that's going to be welcome, no matter how many times I say I want the feedback. You know, I, I understand why a lot of people that come in aren't in a place to just like, give feedback or tell me when something needs to be better or that they're unhappy. We know that you've been hiring and through the hiring, your business has been able to grow. I'm also interested to understand outside of hiring, what else have you invested in your business that have helped you to grow? And in particular, I know you hit that record sales month in January. So is there anything that you've done in your business that you can attribute to that outside of hiring? Yeah, I mean... My business totally changed when I started to invest serious money in coaching and masterminds and online courses. And when I first started, I was really resistant because to me, it just felt like a pyramid scheme. I was like, why do I have to pay somebody like $10,000? I know how to do marketing or whatever. Um, I was reading blogs all the time. But you know, I, I think that there's so much to be said for like mental blocks or when you get paired with a coach, like they just, they level up your connections. They help broaden the way you're looking at things. They're going to push you. And so every year I seem to be spending more and more money on masterminds and coaches. Like for instance, uh, the first thing I did was I hired a business coach and um, I think it was $1,500. And I did not have $1,500, but I felt like I needed to do something or I was going to like shut the business down because I was just stressed and I was like, I'm stressed when we're busy. I'm stressed more slow. Why am I doing this? And I hired a business coach and I immediately made three times that money back because she just, what she did is I ended up like duplicating that. And then also she taught me how to like bring in money quickly. And then the next summer I did a Facebook mastermind 
and I really upped my skills in terms of social media ads. And so I was able to offer that as a service. And now I'm in a Google mastermind and I'm also hoping to do a YouTube mastermind. So that's really been a game changer in terms of being able to not only offer additional services, but then go back to my clients, my community and be that sort of in between like, oh, you're running ads, we're running ads for you. Don't worry, I can actually like get in touch with somebody at Facebook or a Facebook ads expert to look at our at your ads together. So um, it was something I was really resistant to. But honestly, like putting that money into level up is just it's invaluable. And I, I haven't found anything like it. And I, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner, except that it's like hiring where you're like, oh, yeah, when I have an extra five grand, I'll do it. Well, you're never going to have that money. Um, but that is like a good mastermind or coach is going to help you make that money back and tenfold or whatever it is. Yeah. Investing in having someone come in and helping us see our blind spots makes us grow that much faster. Totally. Totally. Lindsay, last question here for you. What keeps you inspired and at your best? Oh my gosh. (laughs) What keeps me inspired? I used to be kind of resentful when I saw all these like big marketers doing so well. Like, oh, it was like, of course they're making millions of dollars or of course they did like a six figure launch because they've got a big community. And now I sort of look at it like, wow, that's inspiring. I can do that too. So I, so not to go off on a tangent, but about a year and a half ago, I was like, <laughs> once a year, I just feel like shut every, shutting everything down. And so I, I was like, I'm just going to keep reading self-help books until I'm better. I'm going to do a coach and I'm just going to do all these things. And so to keep myself inspired, I just do a lot of meditating. I like read a lot of spiritual books. And all of this is to say, like, I just really, really focus on like my goal and what I want to, what I see for myself. And now, and I would used to be really, really bad at celebrating my wins, especially with an agency. Like if you get a new client, oftentimes you don't actually see that money or know what your profit is for like months later. So you sign someone, you build them 30 days later, and then they might not pay for another 30 days. And so I used to sign new clients and be like, well, I'll celebrate in two or three months when I, when I reach my sales goal. But then by then I've like spent it in new ways or I've kind of forgotten about it. And so now I'm really good at like, okay, so the last thing I did was like, okay, if I sign two new clients or whatever, I'm going to buy myself a BTS shirt. And I did. So now, you know, I guess the things are being really clear on my goals, meditating and making sure I also like just really celebrate the small wins. <laughs> that, that's, you know, that's something that I'm learning along the way is to stop and celebrate the small wins. Mm-hmm. We, when we wait for those big wins, I think you're right. Like we, we lose sight of, of the small things. And, and sometimes a simple, something as simple as buying yourself, like you mentioned a t-shirt, it helps because it reminds you that you've did something amazing this month. Yeah. 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 People never do. I, I, I feel like, and that was another thing too, was I really focused not on like, not just the cert, like any job, it's not so much what you do. It's how you make people feel, which I think is like a Maya Angelou quote, but I, a big game changer for my business was not only like being good at my job, but deciding that I was going to be my, the cheerleader for my clients. And I can tell you that I have yet to find a business owner that like properly acknowledges or celebrates their wins, except for myself now. (laughs) So I like, whenever I tell people, I'm like, think about where you were a year ago, because it's just, it's such a long journey and you make so many sacrifices. And oftentimes by, by the time you get to your big goals, you're like, yeah, well, my costs are bigger or whatever. And it's like, no, you have no idea what you've accomplished. I need you to take a moment and celebrate and acknowledge it. So yeah, I'm all about that. Amazing. Lindsay, thank you so much for sharing about how you've grown your business. Uh, Tell the listeners where they can find you online. Yes. So uh, Instagram is where I am every day. 
at Peakit Marketing. We also have a YouTube, which is all about like influencer marketing, social media marketing. And you can also head over to our website where you can see our online courses. You can also book. I'm not sure how much longer I'll have this on my website because it's getting really busy, but you can book a free 30 minute consultation with me if you just want to talk about your marketing, talk about the things that we do. And you can do that on um, peakatmarketing.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan. 